Warriors, this is the Epilepsy Spectrum, your short and sweet stop for all things epilepsy. I'm your host, Tiff the Titan, and thank you for joining this collaborative journey into overcoming epilepsy. If this is your first time here, then welcome to the Epilepsy Tribe. We connect here every week to learn from each other, embrace epilepsy in our lives, foster community and relationships, and promote advocacy, and highlight what's new with epilepsy. And you know what? Another word that I really can't stand is the word cure, which mm-hmm. is used yeah. a lot. What are your thoughts on that? It depends on the context, because if someone says, I cured my epilepsy with this, it's it's a treatment if you have to maintain it in your life to stop the seizures. And exactly. It's, it's something that we want to be careful with, again, because of the words. It, it affects everyone. There's risks with saying it certain ways. You know, if you say this is a cure, well, it's not a cure for this person because they have a different epilepsy. It's a completely different syndrome that reacts differently to the exact same thing someone else did. So because of that, I feel like cure is not really the appropriate word as much as... I, w- I would just word it completely differently to be empathetic with the community at large. And, you know, similarly with disease, if we were in a risky place where using the term disease um, was not to our benefit, I would definitely not use it. Whereas Indeed. whereas if we get more funding, same thing, it's going to affect the <clears throat> epilepsy community for the better by getting more funding by calling it a disease in their paperwork. The researchers would prefer to call it disease for that very purpose. Exactly, you know, and again, that's about looking at the overall picture. Um, and just like yourself, we need to be sensitive to different communities, different cultures, and how they perceive things. Um, back to the word cure, I mean, I the reason I'm against that is if, say, you're on a certain drug, say you're, say you're on sodium valproate and mm-hmm. you haven't had a seizure for a year or five years or ten years, if you stop taking that drug you'll start having seizures again most likely mm-hmm. so you are not cured the, yeah. to me there and I think to the at least in this country the general um, understanding of the word cure is that you will not need to treat it again mm. um, so it's gone without it so I for instance I know somebody she's a very inspiring woman called Anki and she had um, a resection a brain resection um, of gosh about 15 years ago I think she's from and India right that's right. Yes, did you read her yeah. blog? Well, yes, and I um, I emailed with her a few times, and um, my my dad died over the summer, and I was supposed oh, to sorry. interview her. Actually, I, w- I was really inspired by her, and I, I wanted her on this show, but um, I it it kind of fell apart because of that. You know that it just interrupted everything there for a while. So um, oh, I'm sorry. But yes, Anki is is amazing. She's Right? Wow. So she, yeah, so she had this lobotomy when she was young, and she hasn't had one seizure since, and she hasn't been on drugs for years. So with her, I could understand mm-hmm. that word cure being used. Yeah. Right? But it was her cure, so, like, that may not work right, for me. exactly. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it was a cure for her, yes. whereas I have, for instance, well, I've had surgery myself, and that didn't cure me. I've got another friend who's an amazing neuroscientist, ironically, and he had a temporal lobectomy like myself. He's also on VNS, and he's still having seizures. Mm. So, yeah, people need to be careful because we also don't want to get people's hopes up when we say the word cure. Mm -hmm. And the brain is so complex, so, so complex. I almost think that sometimes as a human species, we we don't recognise 
the complexity of the human brain, the fact that there are as many neural connections as there are stars in, in the galaxy is pretty, it's, it's a pretty big deal. It's fascinating, yes. Isn't it right? Yeah. And you know, that's what I think is great about what you're doing as well, is that you are making epilepsy interesting rather than just utterly depressing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it's true though, isn't it? Because once we can find, or we, if we are able to research a bit about epilepsy and become educated on it and then not being funny but I would forget half of it hence I always have it available to me <laughs> to read again um, <laughs> um, well that's why I'm trying to achieve your epilepsy sparks as well is that you know the information is there so you mm-hmm. can read it and don't worry if you forget about it it's still there you can go and look at it again and slowly learn about it yeah. because again it's an education is empowerment mm-hmm. the thing that fascinates me about the brain in general, is the fact that we can shift the way it works. So, for example, I used to struggle with depression a lot, which Mm -hmm. indirectly came from epilepsy and a number of things. But the depression was like this, I had toxic thoughts and they were negative and it was like this cycle in my brain. And then finally, I kind of trained myself to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I would go for a walk when I would have a negative thought or try to replace that with something else or think a positive thought. For every negative thought, there could be a positive thought. So I'd try to like retrain my brain to alter the way I was perceiving the world around me. And then once I started to incorporate gratitude with everything, that's when um, I think my brain was building new neural pathways and it was kind of rewiring me to think in a different way. And that's that's lovely. It's great. And I and I do, you know, we read a lot about this and how that is possible. And so to have you, you know, prove that to yourself, because sometimes it's not easy, right? It's not easy at all. It's very difficult. I mean, that helps with seizures too. Like you can put yourself in I mean, you can kind of retrain yourself to be a little bit less stressed. That's gonna help reduce seizures. You know, whatever it is, you can try to retrain to think in a way or to feel ways that put you in a more seizure-friendly environment in that sense where you're not as likely to have a seizure. Yeah, and I think that is something that can be used in so many different parts of your life. Um, some things can be very difficult. You're just making me think of some people I have removed from my life because they caused me so much stress, mm-hmm. so much stress, anxiety, and depression. And it was it took me years to remove these damaging abusive people from my life but I tell you what once I did it my life was so much better and like yourself you know I I have experienced and still to this day experienced depression and anxiety and it's really tough to deal with um, and people are often shocked when they hear that that's the case yeah. um, you find ways of coping mm-hmm. um, but also I think we need to be careful not to put too much pressure on everybody so that they we want people to know that there is possibility here you are able long term to make these changes and sometimes you might need more help than somebody else and that is absolutely fine sure um but we just need people to not lose hope exactly Um, and that's that's what yes that's what community is all about you can share share your burdens and you know each person helps make the load lighter and every person you share your story with you're going to feel better every time you share it every time on that topic, do you think, what are your thoughts on the fact that sometimes in communities, particularly 
on, I would say, Facebook, is the most guilty of this, we'll have people submitting really um, upsetting videos mm -hmm. or telling people how they are considering hurting themselves and telling people in detail about this awful thing that has happened in their life, which is just horrific for them, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. But is it responsible to expose that to other people who, because many people with epilepsy um, or affected indirectly are very sensitive? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I believe that you should never feel guilty for how you feel. And mm -hmm. I think your emotions are there kind of as a compass, like to, to navigate life. And if you are experiencing very negative or bad feelings, then you need to make a change in your life that lifts you up and makes things a little bit more fresh and carefree in your life, whatever that takes. And in terms of sharing it, I don't think we should feel guilty for sharing. Um, but I think you should be careful how much you share and to, with whom, because you can't trust everyone with very private feelings. And it's, it's to protect yourself, I think, more so than anything else. If you, if you post, um, like if you really need help and you're really considering hurting yourself, definitely reach out, like by all means, even if it's a group, even if it's a place that is not the ordinary place to reach out to, that's better than not reaching out at all. So I'm okay with that. And I think we're all in a different place. And I think, that's very true. yeah, because we come from a lot of frustration, especially with epilepsy. You know? Frustration is a very, very kind word to use for epilepsy. Mm -hmm. I have to say, it's one of the topics that makes me swear more than anything else. Yes, me too. <laughs> And it's okay to do that. You know, yes. it's proven in um, science that actually swearing reduces pain. So there we go. Really? <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, it, it's proven. Um, I think they did an experiment with women giving birth. If they swore, <laughs> there was less pain. So I'm like, guys, go for it. Swearing help, my goodness. You'll see, you have and to let the energy out somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Well, then there's that exercise thing and stuff. And these are all suggestions. That, you know, people need to do what helps them, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And I do, sorry, I do understand what you're saying about the responsibility um, in terms of putting out a lot of negative thoughts into the world. But my personal motto is more like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Or be very careful in how you word things that are negative because you don't want to hurt someone. And you should share things that don't hurt other people. So if you're posting in seizure groups constantly about negative, negative, negative things all the time, that's affecting their culture and their mindset. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that, so I completely agree, we need to be careful how we affect other people, because lots of us are really quite sensitive. Mm -hmm. But also, it's unlikely to be useful for the person doing it a lot of the time. So there are groups and charities, you know, where you are able to let it out. And we need to be using those groups to let things out, in my opinion. Because, for instance, I've seen groups online where people have posted the most awful, awful things. And I know people, when they are very sensitive, that can tip them over the edge. Right. Yeah. I totally get what you mean by that. I'm not really sure how, like, if someone is completely lost and just doesn't know who to reach out to. Like, I don't know what the advice would be for that person when they, if they're doing things like that. Um, yeah. And I guess I think... Perhaps what you were saying before, it's about how you word things. Mm -hmm. So maybe if somebody's in a really difficult place, 
what about them putting something like, I am in a really, really tough place. Do you know any numbers I can call? Or is there anybody I can speak to one-to-one? Right. Um, that's what I would do. Yes. Because it's just in those few words, it's very clear that you're in a really bad place, that you're not potentially damaging other people in the process. Yes. Um, and I think that's important. Do you agree? I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yep. It all comes back down to wordplay and this, you know, this whole podcast has been themed on that and it's just important in how they're received just as well as how it's put out there, I guess. And I think it's important for us to, as individuals, to realize that most of the time people are not trying to be nasty. They would just come out the wrong way or they've communicated it the wrong way. Um, It's like... Do you know what? I was on um, the TV um, for International Epilepsy Day. Awesome. And the, oh, thank you. <laughs> and the news presenter, um, she's a really nice woman. I only met her for a few minutes, and she said, so somebody has a fit. And I was like, and I tightened up. Uh, I personally hate that word. Yeah, I don't like it either. It's, a, it's an old term that was used. Now it's quite derogatory. It's used in different ways. And I was very calm, but I just said, this is all on my YouTube if anybody wants to see it. And I just said, just so you know, we don't use that term anymore um, because it's seen as quite rude or derogatory. We use the term seizure. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, okay. Because she didn't know. She wasn't trying to be rude or derogatory. Mm-hmm. It was just um, ignorance on her part. Right. And and I think that we need to be careful that we don't assume people are being nasty because most of the time they're not. True. Very you know? true. Oh, it's all a bit deeper stuff, isn't it? Oh, I know. <laughs> But it's very important. The you know the lack of education is there even with news reporters, and they're on the front lines. That's what there everybody you go. sees. Exactly. And I did think, gosh, shall I not say anything? Oh no, I'm going to say something because I wasn't rude. I just you know corrected her for you know like there are derogatory terms for right. people with disability in general, for instance. And I would never ever use terms that are seen as abusive or rude. Right. Um, but if I once did. Oh gosh, I would be so embarrassed, but I would never do it on purpose. And I think that's the case for the majority of people. Well, you have an obligation as an epilepsy advocate to correct them, and you did it politely, which I'm very proud of you for. That's the perfect way to do it. Well, thank you. It's really good. It's important. And I did a podcast about having seizures in public when I first got Mm -hmm. started. And one of the things I was talking about was having seizures in public, like at work. I used to call into work. And it's because of the anxiety I would have about people seeing me have a seizure. So it got to the point I was like, you know what? Nope, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to go through it. And eventually I got myself to the point where I would have the seizures in front of people. And it wasn't that I was ashamed as much as I just didn't want to have to explain it. I didn't want to have to go through all of that process and feel the way that I would feel about it. But once I made myself go through it, it was actually an opportunity to teach people in front of others. They can see a seizure firsthand, and I could explain to them, you know, I'm sorry I can't focus very well today. I'm having so many absent seizures, you know. And uh-huh. and then they're like, oh, so seizures aren't just falling to the ground. So that was one thing they learned, you know. So Brilliant. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's um, that's such a common um, misconception, isn't it? That people don't realise there are over sixty different types of seizures, excluding the rare ones like mm-hmm. LGS, for instance, and that we don't all fall to the floor and shake. Right. Um, I know somebody who just in inverted commas, because that's a bad term to use, has absence seizures, but sometimes several a day, and they are knackering. 
they are so tiring for, mm-hmm. this, for this man. And he, like yourself, he goes to work and he's like, oh my goodness, I am whacked. And I'm not surprised, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, like when I was little, I had lots of absence seizures. People didn't even notice. I think they just thought I was a bit off my face, like taking drugs early or something. Yeah. You know, and you just yeah. get on with it. And yeah. that's okay. For lots of adults, I'm, I swear there are lots of people who have epilepsy but aren't diagnosed yet. I think so too. It's such an interesting, complex thing. Yeah. Epilepsy is so varied, so varied. It will affect you very differently to how it affects millions of others. Mm-hmm. And the important thing for you is to find, uh, or even if it helps write it down, exactly how it affects you, what to do if you have a seizure, and tell the people close to you what to do if you have a seizure, but also almost more importantly, recognize who you are without that mm-hmm. so that you don't become so defined by it. I travel the world on my own because I'm stubborn. I'm like, you're not going to control me. That's <laughs> but, a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I actually, do you know what? I came back from Australia and I had a seizure when I got home because I was so tired right. but, and I traveled to speak about epilepsy, but I'm just like, well, whatever, you know. Yeah. You, people need to recognize, I think, that there's only so much of our lives that we can control. Mm-hmm. When people say you can do anything, that's absolute rubbish because there are limitations. Yeah. But how we um, become happier in life is by identifying those limitations and then focusing our energy on what we are able to do and what we want to do right. that is good for us and good for the people that we love. Just remember, epilepsy is not you. And if you can get out of that mindset, that will make such a huge, huge positive difference to your life. I also think it's very important that um, carers are recognised for the work that they do, but also for their worries. That's really, really recognised by society overall. There was a study done recently, and it was just on mums for some reason, but it showed that mums are something like 20% more likely to experience mental health difficulties mm-hmm. because their loved one has epilepsy and a lot of the comorbidities are the illnesses that go with it. It's really important for people to keep an eye on their mental health. There's 20, 30% higher rate of suicide amongst those with epilepsy because mm. it's depressing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and don't ever think that you're being weak because you're not. You're coping with something which is really, really impactful and you can appear all strong and happy on the outside. People don't know what's going on in the inside and don't hide that from so many people. If you feel that you need help, you seek that help from where you are able, general practitioner, your epilepsy nurse, your neurologist, or as we were talking about before, somebody that you can go to trust on social media. Mm-hmm. We've all got lots of distant friends now, haven't we, in different continents. Absolutely, but, I mean, all over the world. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it makes such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yesterday I was speaking to somebody in, well, two people in Scotland, somebody in uh, Netherlands, somebody in Kenya, and somebody in Australia. And it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I digress a bit, but that's what I would advise. You're not defined by it. You're restricted by your epilepsy to a degree, but it is not who you are. And, you know, you've got to recognize that you're an amazing person. For the person with epilepsy, it's important. I mean, I've spoken about limitations before. I used to work at Heathrow Airport. It was such a stressful job, and my seizures were getting worse and worse and worse, and I couldn't do it. My attention was awful. I kept forgetting everything, as you would when I was having loads of focal seizures at work. And then I was having tonic-clonics outside of work. Mm. It was just crazy. And I was not going to be successful in that job because I just couldn't. And at the time, I thought, my God, I'm such a failure. Actually, I was told by somebody else. And 
But now mm. I know that that is not the case. Not at all. I, it just wasn't possible at that time. And I know that loads of people have gone through and are going through these type of things. Just recognise that the fact that you've got an overactive brain is not your fault. And it's not going to make you a failure if you have to try and find something else to do. Right. It's, kind of, like, more... it's kind of like a maze. Sorry. It's like you go down um, certain parts of the maze and then you don't get out that way. You have to turn back around, come back around and try another route. And to me, that's kind of, that's kind of how we should look at it. Like you're not a failure because you hit a wall. You know, everybody has walls and ours is epilepsy. You come right back out and you try again, go down another route. That's, you summed that up perfectly. Exactly. I was, I was exactly proud of that, that analogy. Thank you. Yeah, I, I always there. That was like so cheesy, but it's so back on. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, and also I think it's important for us to recognize that those who sometimes appear to be the strongest people with epilepsy, sometimes they can be the people who need a hug sometimes. Mm-hmm. Nobody is invincible and we will all have days which are rubbish, they are pants, you know, we are feeling it's not a good day. Just recognise that as such, and if you want to find somebody that you can talk to, and recognise that not every day is going to be like that. And all those people that you see as being all amazing on social media, gosh, aren't they strong, how do they do this? They are vaguely human as well, mm-hmm. and it's not, they're not as strong and happy as they appear online. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're faking it, but people aren't going to necessarily put all the they're crying online. Right. Yeah. Well, where should we go online if listeners are interested in learning more about you or about your organization, Epilepsy Sparks? So if you could go to um, epilepsysparks.com or one word, if you want to, there's a little tab about me and how I founded the organization. You can also sign up to our newsletter, which is really cheerful, empowering through education and knowledge. We also have a tab for really cool um, scientific publications and neurological publications. So if you're somebody who's interested in geeking up and learning about the human brain from the doctor and scientist perspective, go for that on there as well. Oh, and also there's one other thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Nightwatch. Mm -hmm. So we're just working with them as well. So if people want to find out a bit more about that, that's on our website too. Yeah. So And if anybody's got any questions, they can just send me an email, Tori, T-O-R-I-E, at epilepsysparks.com. Wonderful. Well, Tori, thank you so much for joining us and talking on the show today. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for stimulating my remaining brain tissue and getting me to think of, think of things, you know, it's great. I love this conversation. Me too. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you all for listening. Come back here next week. Her website is epilepsysparks.com. Go check her out. And remember always, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Peace. <laughs>